Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Uh, let's go to Mary Holm. Hi. Hi, Jesse. You haven't worked it out, have you, Mary? No, no. Okay. I've been thinking about it, but... Got some Leonard no, Cohen for you if you're good before 3 p.m. Oh, I'll. I'll <laughs> it's a bit you're, you're, you're tempting me. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I know you're a fan. Okay. Yeah, I am. Um, we got an interesting email from someone which we might discuss just ahead of uh, our main conversation this week. Um, so we were talking about KiwiSaver recently, and Andrew got in touch. I think it was Andrew. No, Peter got in touch. And quotes you, Mary, as saying that realistically the government is never going to take your personal KiwiSaver funds. I remember you saying that. You said yes. KiwiSaver is your own money. It's your own account. Uh, and there's no way that you or I or the Prime Minister can ever guarantee what future governments are going to do. But realistically, it's not going to happen. And Peter assiduously yes. researched five different examples through history of times when governments lent on people's savings as a way of getting out of problems, including Cyprus 2013, France and Britain post-World War II. Well, he goes on. Yes, and the other ones are even older in history. Um, and, you know, I suppose the lesson to me is never say never, although I don't know that I have... Oh, I might have said never. Um, he... To, Peter has one fairly recent example of Cyprus in 2013... And there was money taken, some money taken out of people's bank accounts to save the com- the country from bankruptcy. Mm. New Zealand's a long, long way from that. Uh, you know, we're not, the, this country is not about to go bankrupt. And his other examples are all 70 years old or more. Um, nonetheless, he does make a good point. And they are all, he says, democratically elected governments. Um, and so perhaps from, in the future I should not say never... But these were all actually money taken out of people's bank accounts. And I was talking about KiwiSaver, and I'm not saying KiwiSaver would be any safer than bank accounts. Mm. But but if you own be. part of a company with your KiwiSaver, they're not exactly going to make you cash up, are they? No, I, I think... I mean, I think I think it would be more difficult for a bank, to, for a government to actually take money out of people's KiwiSaver than out of their mm. bank accounts, in fact... And I, it's so unlikely that either's going to happen, you know, that... In fact, um, he's making a, a better argument for KiwiSaver than he might have intended yes. because of his, his alternative to KiwiSaver is just to put the money into a bank or yes. do something like that with it, then he's probably more vulnerable. Yeah, and putting it under a mattress is even more vulnerable because of burglaries and, and fires, you know. I mean, the fact is you've got to do something with your money and and there's not a lot of point in sitting around worrying about things that are awfully unlikely to happen. Yeah, so thanks to Peter, because he, he makes a good point, and I promise never to say never again about that. <laughs> but it's very unlikely, okay. I'd say. Yeah. Your main topic for the interview this week is to um, help us out with curbing our spending, Mary. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, there's been a lot of publicity in the last week or two about the government looking at more ways to stop lenders from lending irresponsibly and you know the, under the law now they're not allowed to lend irresponsibly but it occurs to me when I'm listening to all of that that ultimately we have to watch our spending rather than 
hoping that financial institutions are going to do it for us, you know. And um, so I thought uh, it might be it might be a good idea to look at it, some of the ways that we might be able to curb our own spending if we're spending unnecessarily. You know, I mean, there's obviously obviously a heck of a lot of our spending is is necessary for for accommodation or, or food and, and that sort of thing. But um, a couple of a couple of comments on unnecessary spending. A lot of times people do it because it makes them feel happy. Yeah. And on the day, there's no doubt about it that, you know, you could buy some new clothes or wonderful meal or something like that and it makes you feel happier. But I suggest people who do that a lot might want to make a note in their diary or on the calendar or in the fridge or whatever um, to to think about this spending a month later and perhaps also a year later, think about that purchase and whether it really did make you much happier mm-hmm. in the long run or not. And, and um, I think that that can make people realise that after a while they just got a whole lot more clothes and and each individual piece in the wardrobe isn't worth a whole lot or, 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 or other items. Um, and another reason that people often spend unnecessarily is for the sake of appearances, to look keep up with the Joneses. I mean, sometimes literally should look good with with clothes or cars or something like that, but sometimes just because you, you know, all your friends are doing wonderful travel or all your friends are um, getting the house done up, the ki- new kitchen, things like new kitchens, um, you know, look, it's nice to have a new kitchen, but how often do we really need one or is it just because we're trying to impress other people? So that's just something to to be thinking about, sort of challenge yourself when when you're spending perhaps unnecessarily. I, w- I don't yeah. expect you to solve this problem in this session, Mary, but I think a lot of couples probably have a problem where one couple spends yeah. more than the other one, and so no matter how much you're trying to watch your spending, there's this other sort of outgoing yes, <laughs> yes, pro- yes. problem in the relationship. And I, yeah, I hope you don't expect me to solve that problem ever, Jesse, let alone in this session, <laughs> because... Um, I mean that you know we we have talked about that before that it's a, it's a huge problem in a whole lot of relationships that people have different attitudes to money and and it's not easy and yeah I and I suppose what I can say is the one who's who's more careful with the money you know don't just attack the other one try and get them on board with looking at their spending rather than just saying to them it's bad. But um, one one tip that the experts give is to estimate your spending. Um, you know, no one really wants to do a strict budget, and this is not talking about a budget. This is talking about just sitting down and and looking at, say, food, clothes, transport, housing, entertainment. Could be your categories. There might be other categories that are relevant to you, and just just making a rough estimate of what you spend in a month on those items and then in the following month have a look at how accurate your yeah. estimate was. And um, in, in a study in Australia, I think I've, I've told you about this before, but but anyway, um, they, they got people to do that and they found that people's estimates that they're spending on transport and rent were pretty... Accurate, and that's not surprising at all because we know what yeah. the rent is, and we and we usually know roughly what we're going to spend on transport. People tended to spend more on clothes than they estimated, 
considerably more on alcohol than they estimated, and that and that goes along along with the fact that you know your doctor says how many, many drinks do you have a week, and I think we probably most of us who drink it all are all a bit guilty. Round down, yes, round down a little bit there, and and the same with our spending on it, and and gambling was the one where people estimated way less than they spent on gambling. Mm. Of course, you know, probably the majority of us don't spend anything on gambling other than perhaps buying a lotto ticket and maybe the odd raffle, but um, those who do tend to spend way more. And that's the same thing again. They don't want to acknowledge themselves how much they're spending on stuff that's not, you know, not terribly kosher, shall we say. Yeah. Um, Another tip that, that the experts talk about is is the fact that a lot of spending is is habits. It's a, a lot of it's about habits, and under certain circumstances, you know, we might get up on Sunday mornings and typically go out for brunch or something like that, and and that's a lovely thing to do. I'm not saying no one should do that, mm. but if if you find that you're spending a lot, um, you might want to start saying perhaps we we'll do that every second week, or or set a bit of a limit on how much you spend, or just just be aware. Of how powerful habits are, they're, you know, they're they're like mini addictions in some ways. Our habits, aren't they? We yeah. we all tend to do certain things when we get up in the morning and all of that, and it's quite hard to break them. The, um, yeah, the problem is they turn into fixed expenses, don't they? Yes, yeah, and and you know, you're always used to buying this quality of wine or the or or, or whatever it is. Um, the the point about habits is that a lot of research shows that if you change the habit for for 30 days. If you set yourself a goal of not doing it or doing it less or, or whatever for 30 days, then you've usually broken the habit, which is far easier thing to think about than thinking I'm not going to do this ever again in my life or, or whatever. You know, that just feels way too hard. But, Speaking of brunch um, on the weekends, I had a guest talking about food waste recently and she uh, reckons she hasn't bought butter in a couple of years because at the end of a cafe meal she grabs the leftover butter from her plate and from her friend's plate and takes <laughs> it home she? with her. Yeah, she thinks it's a great, Brilliant. great way yeah. of saving money. I can, I can see doing that if it's wrapped in one of those little silver foil things. Yeah. But not if, not but if you're just scraping it up with your no, teaspoon, no, Mary. It's not a good look. Isn't that Mary from the newspaper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Jessie from the radio yeah. and the TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as... Um, as habits go, that some some other research shows, predictably, I suppose, that if you reward yourself every time you do it right, or if it's something you're doing every day, perhaps you put a little have a little card and put a little tick on the card, mm. and every time you get to five ticks, give yourself some kind of reward, so that you you know, I mean, we all know this, but the fact is, we don't always think of it at the time that that giving yourself some positive feedback for doing something good is is an excellent way to, to help you change your habits. And also, um, I found recently there's a, a website called www.futureme, one word, .org, and you can send an email. You go <laughs> on to Future can Me and send, send yourself an email that comes back on the day you want it to come back to you. I tried it to make sure. I sent myself a couple, you know, one. It's got to be at least a month later. You can't do it for sort of next week. But a month or more later, you can you can send yourself a letter that says, hey, did you, did you cut back on that spending wow. or, or, or did you change that other habit? And it just does come into your inbox. It's free. And you can use it for all kinds of things, but just just 
to remind yourself, did you lose that weight by now or did you, you know, um, just, yeah, just a, a, a little gimmicky thing that could, that could be quite helpful for some people. Yeah, yeah. that's a neat um, idea. Isn't it? I, I think on the website, you've got it up there, haven't you, that um, you can make your email public. But I didn't, and most people probably wouldn't. Why the, pub- the public ones are pretty uh, just kind of fu- funny ones. Dear Future Me, have you done anything worthwhile? Cured cancer? Created a unified field theory? <laughs> if not, I'm so disappointed in you. Signed the past. Oh, yes. Yes, there's probably all kinds of stuff in there that might be quite inspiring to look at. But but I hasten to add that you don't have to make yours public. Okay. Um, and, and most people probably won't want to. Um, another tip is to watch out for all the slogans that are out there that encourage you to spend. Mm. And um, one that I've found I'm a bit of a prey to is uh, you deserve it. You know, spend your money on this or do that because you deserve it. And if we really want to spend the money, we can always come up with a reason why we deserve it because we you we know, took the rubbish out this morning, or you know, I mean, yeah. there's always something. But in fact, that's just so manipulative. It, it's just that you're going along with exactly what they want you to go along with, which is to think about something you've done good lately, so that you can go and spend money on their products. And um, buy now, pay later, of course, is is um, a classic slogan that. Uh, you know, it's so easy. Even if pay later is six months down the line, six months kind of an, on one level feels like never, doesn't it? It's kind of like, I'll do this now, and six months later is so far away that we won't even worry about it. And, of course, six months comes along, and typically you, you're paying interest on the money in the meantime. And But there's all sorts of slogans that people put out there to try and encourage you to spend, like, just do it. Mm. Uh, just do it doesn't, isn't necessarily about spending, but it could be. You could, you could in your mind, you could say, well, I buy that or not, and then you see the Nike slogan, and you say, oh, bugger it, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and, um, well, there's a look, cosmetic brand that's your worth it, isn't it? Isn't exactly, yeah. yes. That, that's an, a really good example. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you're worth um, boosting their share, shareholders' profits <laughs> is what it amounts to, actually. Yeah. Now, uh, Christmas. Um, this time last year, I we did a whole session on the sort of trap of Christmas. And so I thought, mm. well, I won't repeat that again this year, but there were a few sort of key... People can find it, by the way, like they can uh, find yes. all of Mary's sessions online. Yeah, yeah, it was, so I think it was November, sometime in November last year, but there were a few particular ideas that I thought people might, and especially now that we're doing it in October, there's a little bit of time to for people to think about this. Um, one sort of general theme is to think about whether Christmas really is about presents and very expensive food and expensive wine, etc. Is that really what you want your Christmas to be about, or is it more about getting together with family and friends and having a really nice time and you know as far as the kids go the if you say to the children do you want presents or not well of course they're going to say they want presents but if you could could actually give them a choice of do you want more presents and mum and dad really stressed about spending too much or would you prefer fewer presents and mum and dad not stressed we know what they really want, mm. even though on the day they'll say, "I want, I want presents and mum and dad, not yeah, stress." Yeah. But, but, um, you know, if you are putting yourself into big debt in order to give the kids more stuff, the children know when you're stressed and and they hate it. And 
so that's just something to, something for people to bear in mind. A few ideas of um, that families can think about, and as I say, doing it in October, maybe people can. There's time for people to email out to their brothers and sisters or whoever and say, "How about we do it this way this year?" One is um, to to draw names out of a hat. Uh, so I just give one sister a present and she just gives one brother a present and so on. Um, people always complain because they get the one that's hard to give presents mm. to. But, you know, get over it. Um, um, set a really quite a low dollar limit on presents, maybe $10 or something like that. And I've found, I don't know whether you have under those circumstances, you don't worry too much about what you give them. You just give them something cheeky or fun if there's yeah. a $10 limit. Oh, they'll well, uh, Although this, you know. I, would, I would add, Mary, that at that $10 and under limit, you're more likely to get just junk that's going to be, you know, no use to the world but it doesn't and matter. it's going to get thrown into, well, a, into a rubbish bin, whereas at yeah. least if you buy something worth kind of 40 or $50, they might actually use the yep. thing and keep it. That's quite true. That's quite true. So You can tell so we've been discussing Secret Santa in our <laughs> yeah. house and how we're going to do it this year. Yeah, have you? Mm. You say, what are you going to do? Well, the Mulligan family tradition is for everyone to buy one random present that anyone yes. could enjoy and you pull oh, them out at yes. random and open them up. And then the, the Mulligan trick is that if you don't like what you've opened up, you can swap it for one of the presents that's already been opened. Yes. So you, you, you get a lot of bad blood, which is quite fun on a <laughs> yes. Christmas morning. Yeah. But, uh, but my wife is much keener on the idea of picking one person, yes. buying something for them so it's thoughtful and they're actually going to use it and not yeah. end up getting lumped with some random gift anyway. I'm Negotiations a, I continue. think I might be more on her side there because mm. I think <laughs> part of the pleasure of gift-giving is the way you do think about that particular person and perhaps their house or what they like wearing or what they like reading mm. or um, whereas if you are, I've done the other one with, that you talk about where you have to buy something that everybody will like and it's kind of ends up being some kind of generic thing. That, yeah. But but look, these are all things for families to, to choose their <laughs> own. Uh, another, one, another option is just to give to, to the children only um, and perhaps give teenagers 20 bucks each or something like that. Uh, we all know, I suspect, how hard it is to give to teenagers. They're, you know, they suddenly go, little kids are pretty unfussy. Well, they'll, they'll love the book you choose for them, but you mm. know, as they get older, they get, by the time they're teenagers, you try and choose their music or their T-shirts or something like that, and good luck with it, you know, unless they've told you mm-hmm. what they like. But... Um, you know, giving to the kids only can can work pretty well. Or um, in in our family, we've actually in my brothers and sisters' family families we've switched to giving one another presents and for their birthdays only, not at Christmas, which is which is nice. We don't exchange presents with the adults at Christmas, but if you're just concentrating on the one brother in January, the one sister in August, like that. You you're thinking about that one person and doing something more meaningful then and that that can work. Um, and the final idea is, and perhaps do this as well for family members to all put some money into a charity. Yeah. Um, you know, on the day everyone puts twenty bucks in or fifty bucks in or something like that, and um, you have an interesting conversation about which charity you might give it to. But it's it, a nice it, one. It does make people feel good. You know, giving money to charity, it does actually make you feel happier. And on the day when there's all this other, you know, opulence flowing mm. around the room, it's quite nice to think we've also put some money into Women's Refuge or Red Cross or World Vision or, I mean, whatever, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. Now, now, Caitlin has jumped in, yes. executive producer, 
she prefers the secret Santa where you choose for one person. And in her household, she says the recipient sits on the present throne and everyone watches them <laughs> unwrap oh. their presents so they have their moment in the spotlight, which I think oh. is quite nice. Yes, yes, as long as they all enjoy the spotlight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's quite neat actually to exchange ideas on these things, isn't it? Um, I wanted to finish off with a couple of, on a sort of more serious note for people who are really having concerns about their spending. So we're getting off Christmas now and into, into spending Okay, in and, and just one quick message from Belinda yes. on Christmas. A six-year-old was given presents but instead asked for the whole family to go to a museum together and for both parents to not look at their phones all day. Isn't that telling? Smart, smart six-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thanks, Belinda. Yes, and everybody might want to keep that in mind that not just that family, that, you know, you see parents all the time with their children at the beach or something, but they're on their phones a lot. So they're not really in spirit with, with the kids. Hmm. Yeah, easy for me to be critical. I know when when my kid was little, there weren't cell phones, you know, yeah. so it was different, yeah. But um, just just to touch on these two, because they're quite quite important, there's an, an outfit in New Zealand called FinCap, which used to be called the National Building Financial Capability Charitable Trust. So thank God they changed their name to <laughs> FinCap. But so it's fincap.org. And through them, you can get free confidential budgeting advice and you get a financial mentor who helps you work through your spending problems and your debt problems and so on. And I do recommend them. They're all around New Zealand. If you go on the website, there's there's people available around the country that... And they can, you know, those financial mentors can actually negotiate. If you owe a lot of money to the power company or um, or people like that, they can negotiate with those people for you to actually pay, sometimes pay less in total and certainly pay it gradually without losing your electricity or whatever in the Mm. meantime. But they can also help... um, people to just curb their spending and they know, you know, they're trained to help you with that. Are they a government um, organisation? No, they're not government run, but I think there's sort of connections with Supported the government. Supported by the Ministry of Social Development as part of their Building Financial Capability Initiative. Is yeah, it looks good. It looks yes. really good. It's fincap.org.nz if people want to yes. look at it. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, you know, certainly they're worth looking at. And then the other one is something I've only just learned about called Debt Blocker, which is debtblocker.nz. And this has been started fairly recently by a chap named Rob Thompson down in Dunedin. He's got a doctorate in, in psychology. And he, I was talking to him on the phone the other day about it, he does some work with families that, are, that are, have problems with violence. And he said in those families he, he saw that really often there was also problems with, with addiction, alcohol, that sort of stuff, but also debt. And he said, I want to do something about the debt situation. And so what he set up, rather than just the government and everybody always blaming the lenders and saying you shouldn't be lending Mm. money to people, he set up a website so people can take a bit more control of their own situation and register as not wanting to be offered credit. And, And he says, for example, people who are concerned... They may take out loans they can't afford or 
they're concerned they might be forced to take out or act as a guarantor for loans for other people. Mm. And that's parents quite often who, whose adult children say, will you go guarantor on my borrowing money to do set up a business or whatever. And sometimes it works fine. But some parents are sort of feel a bit obliged to and they don't really want to because then if the if the kid's business does crash or whatever, then the parents' retirement savings can be taken up and, and you know, these these things are a problem. And Rob Thompson points out that um, parents who are in that sort of situation could register here just quietly register on debt blocker as someone that doesn't want credit given to them. And so then when the child says, Mum and Dad, um, do you want to back me up? The parent could say, yeah, OK, we'll give it a go. And then then the financial institution comes back and says, sorry, your parents can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so that that could be useful for some people. He also says there's some people with mental health issues or addictions um, that may lead them to take out loans. Mm. And so they might want to register on debt blocker. And, and then he encourages um, lenders around New Zealand to check his register before. Yes. So what he says, the lenders have to pay a small fee, and he's, he's he said he's getting the banks interested and some of the payday lenders and all of that pay a small fee to check to see if a person's name is listed on, on debt blocker. And um, that money goes in ultimately actually to other financial capability work, etc. But he he says it means... The lenders should like it because they don't actually really want to lend to people that they, they're going to have serious trouble getting the money back from or they're going to be charged with being irresponsible lenders um, under the new laws that are getting stricter and stricter about that. Uh, so the lenders should quite like knowing up front, no, Jesse Mulligan, you shouldn't lend to him. He's he's registered That's as someone news. who doesn't. As, as far as to, to get... Have we got time for me to just quickly yeah. say? To get... <coughs> Excuse me. To get listed on that website, you have got to. You can't just yourself say, "I want my name on there." You've got to either do it through a social service agency uh-huh. or, or a JP, and that's because the he doesn't want um, me registering my brother on there or something. Mm. You know, he wants to make sure it's you yourself. Who's okay. put yourself on there? Doesn't want other people. That's not what it's about. Don't use it as a weapon. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you, if you, you can either get a form off the website and fill it out in front and sign it in front of a justice of the peace, JP, or you can do it through one of the social service agencies that's listed on the website, and they will make it all work for you. So it's it shouldn't be hard to get on there, but it's just that it's not. You, you can't just, as I say, sign up your troublesome child or whatever. Good one. Um, yeah. And and just if, we, if we've still got time, there's one thing that talk, in talking to Rob... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. <coughs> in talking to Rob Thompson, the guy who set this up, he said that he um, got the idea from when he was a student flatting and, it was in, and they all got given student loans back in those days too easily and they for the first week or two they were all dining out his student yeah. flat were and and um they sort of sat down and said look we've got to do something about this so what they did is is put their credit cards in a jar of water and then freeze it you know and put it in the freezer <laughs> so the cards are in the freezer in in a jug of water or whatever it was um and <clears throat> that meant that they couldn't 
he said you couldn't thaw it easily. If you put it in the microwave or an oven or something like that to try and thaw the water fast, it damaged the credit card. So it did actually take, you know, 12 hours or 24 hours for the water Love to thaw it. enough to, to not spend. And so Love that's it. a pretty neat idea. Okay, yeah. that one's called Debt Blocker if you'd like to find out more, debtblocker.nz. Next week, Mary will be, or next uh, next time, in a couple of weeks' time on a Thursday, Mary will be answering your questions about mortgages. If you have anything you'd like to ask her about your mortgage, about the best way forward, uh, what sort of mortgage you should be on, how to split it up, whether you should pay it now or later, fixed or floating, any of those sorts of questions, send them through to us, jessie at radionz.co.nz, and Mary will answer them next week.